Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson here to tell you a little more about what adfreeshows.com is all about. Get early ad-free access to more than a dozen of your favorite wrestling podcasts every single week, starting at just nine bucks. That's less than 20 cents an episode each month. And yes, you can listen to them all directly through Apple Podcasts or your regular podcast apps. How easy is that? Ad-Free Shows also has thousands of hours worth of bonus content and docu-series like Title Chase, Eric Fires Back, Conversations with Conrad, and The Insiders. Plus new series like The Book with David Crockett, Monday Mailbags with Mike Kyoto and Nick Patrick, and a whole lot more. And you want to talk about early, you can't get any earlier than listening to the shows live. You can be a part of the live studio audience as we record the podcast. Plus ride shotgun alongside your favorite childhood heroes for live watch alongs, Q and A's and other interactive experiences every single month. Come on now, see for yourself what thousands of other wrestling fans from around the world have discovered that adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Check it out today. And hey, when you do, the first week is completely free at freeshows.com. As cold as a razor blade, as tight as a tourniquet, like the skin on a dying man. I don't want a piece of the world. I want the whole world. I make my own rules because it's much easier that way. Trust me. What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo, and we're back for another episode of The Snake Pit. And if you're watching this right now on YouTube, you can see that not only am I joined by the Hall of Famer himself, Jake the Snake Roberts, but we've also got a very special guest here today, none other than Sin Bodhi, the former Kazarni uh, from WWE fame. Sin, thank you so much for being here with me and Jake. Thank you guys for having me. Absolutely, man. You know, Jake brought up this idea to me a couple days ago on the phone, and I was like, man, there is nobody better. I've had the pleasure of being around you uh, on a couple of occasions, and I, I know for sure there's nobody better to, to bring on the, sh the show and, you know, share some stories. Well, I appreciate the, the kind words. 
Thanks, Vogue. thanks, for the, thanks for the lies. I appreciate yeah. that. Hey, you know, I, I'm just trying to to build you up. Now you've got to live up to the expectation. We'll see how it goes. Good luck. <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> well, look, uh, you know, it's kind of become tradition. Anytime we bring a guest onto the show or we have somebody fill in as a host for Jake, uh, we ask them about their history with Jake. So uh, that that'll be where we start with you. Can you talk to us a little bit about your history with uh, the legendary Jake Roberts here? Sure. Well, it goes way back to my childhood, back in the Stone Age. Uh, I was sitting on a, a little couch in a, in a little uh, town, my hometown of Orangeville, Ontario, Canada. Um, and I was sitting next to little, two little other kids, uh, Edge and Christian. And we watched Jake come out of nowhere and DDT Ricky Steamboat on the concrete. And those two little nerds cried. And I just thought, no way, Jose. I want to be the guy giving the DDT, not the guy taking the DDT. And I was hooked ever since. <laughs> and uh, and so you started to sympathize with the heels early on. I always, I like, you know, I like Jake and I like Piper and I like Macho Man. I like Mr. Perfect and uh, Cowboy Bob and, and uh, Adrian Adonis and all those guys. I always liked the villains. They just, they just had so much more flavor to them. And I just, I just kind of bought them more. They just seemed more plausible. Jake out of anybody, you know, over the road warriors, over the wild Samoans, over any scary wrestler that was just playing out straight scary. Jake was the first guy that as in my little kid's mind, which is not much more uh, unlittle kiddish than it was, you know, 40 years ago. Uh, I just remember thinking, where does that guy go when he's done wrestling? Like I like, where does he go to an evil lair? Does he go to an underground base, a fortress of solitude? Like I, my brain was just bent on, uh, you know, asking Jake questions. And again, the road warriors are, Wild Smolens, okay. Smolens are in the jungles, you know, eating coconuts and tigers. You know, the, the road warriors, they're off driving Mack trucks with spikes on them. But Jake, I had no idea where he was, and it just freaked me out. Jake, uh, where were you after the show? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Fair I enough. Thought for, I thought for sure you were going to say the strip club. Yeah, curses. <laughs> I'm not, I haven't got any answers yet. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> well uh so i'm not gonna i don't want to gloss over something interesting you just said there you said you were on a couch with a young edge and christian uh what's yep. your history like with those two so christian was the very first kid i ever met on planet earth we met in the sandbox in kindergarten he actually saved me from a, a bully that wanted to take my spider-man doll and um we were we were buddies ever since I've, I've, I've done plenty of saving on him ever since so i i returned a favor 10 times over <laughs> I, I actually i actually shoot pinned him down to the ground in his bedroom while wrestling over the telephone to call the first girl he ever wanted to call out that he had a big crush on and we fought tooth and nail and i pinned him down i put my forearm right across his face i dialed the old rotary phones and he could hear it ringing and he's like you mf are you blah 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 oh hey hey uh, is uh, kelly there <laughs> and i sat on him for the first two minutes until he got the conversation going and then I left him. I'm like, you're welcome. Wow. All right. So yeah. you're you're helping him in fights, but you're also helping him with the ladies. Yeah. Well, I mean, those are the biggest fights sometimes, you know, battles <laughs> of the heart and all that jazz. Well, let's uh, let's flash forward a little bit. You know, uh, here you were as a little kid watching Jake DDT uh, Steamboat, a huge iconic moment. And now yep. uh, you and Jake become friends. What what did it look like whenever you and Jake first crossed paths? Yeah, it was, it was, it was absolutely never not weird. I, um, the night before I was supposed to wrestle Jake, before I was ever going to meet him the first time was in uh, the UK and you know, all that, that business about don't aspire to meet your, your heroes and idols, you know, in this case, 
you know, uh, was complete uh, bunk. Uh, he was a great guy. You know, he messed with me early on, but I was literally the night before I got concussed and I woke up in silly spandex and eyeliner in a British hospital and I kayfabe the promoter because I was damned if I wasn't going to wrestle Jake if he had gotten wind that I was, you know, you know, out to, out to lunch, medically speaking. And we had this, uh, we had a match and he came up to me and he was, it was just not what I expected. You know, he was, he was kind, he was quiet, he was funny. Like he was really funny, which that threw me for a loop. And I remember thinking in my head, and I don't know how ridiculously masochistic or stupid this is, but I thought, whatever happens, I'll break my neck if it means taking that DDT right, making him look good. I just did not want to F that up. I don't know if I can cuss on here or not. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah please do. Okay. Don't, don't fucking cuss. I'll do my fucking best not to. Thank you fucking much. Yes, yes sir. And uh, so he, I remember him explaining how he wanted me to take the DDT. And he said, look, the rest of it, he goes, I'm an artist. We're going to go paint a picture. This is our canvas. Listen to me. Uh, bring your instincts, but listen to me. And I said, okay. And I, and I, he explained how he wanted to do the DDT. And I, I, to this day, I'll remember. He said, please don't roll. It, it looks shitty. I can't protect you. It makes me nervous that I can't protect you. I can't keep my eyes on it. I said, okay. He goes, uh, I, I'm not a big fan of that spike either. Very, very few people can make it look good. And again, I can't protect you. Goes, Just drop, drop into a push-up. And just turn turn your head turn your head into my into my into my side. I'll tap you. Just drop into a push up when I when we go. I said okay, and I didn't care for the life of me. You know, if I broke my neck, I was going to make you know this legend, my idol, look as best as I could. And I remember doing the match, and the match was great. It was fun. It was it was a warm breeze. It was nice. Here comes the DDT. I did what he asked me to. I lived, and he seemed to be happy. And he rolled on me. And this is what was the most painful thing. Of not just that match, but of my entire friendship with Jake the Snake. So he pinned me, and I, you know, I'm dead selling to, you know, to make this look as good as I can because that's your, you know, the DDT is that's the deal. And I remember laying there, and he, like, I've got this soft, fluffy child beard that has grown out like this bird's nest. But if I shaved, I would be so soft of face. Where Jake has that old school steel wool five o'clock shadow at two o'clock. And he rubbed his chin on my nipple and he giggled and he didn't sound like big, scary, ominous Jake. He sounded like the Beavis and Butthead thing. Like, <laughs> and he giggled knowing full well I wouldn't move. And man, if that didn't just light me and my nipple on fire and it was so fucking painful and he just giggled and I just I didn't flinch an inch thinking, son of a bitch. This is this is art imitating life. I mean, this is life. Life is hard and unfair. And I, my nipple knew it full well that day. And still to this day, <laughs> it has nerve damage, I swear to God. Uh, cruel but fair, as they cruel say. But fair. So, Jake, tell us a little bit about the nipple rib. How many guys did you pull on uh, th that one on? Oh, hundreds. <laughs> oh, and let, let me throw a caboose on that. Just when I thought I was out of the water, he stuffed a 10-foot python down the front of my spandex. So there's that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So this is your first time meeting Jake? Yeah. My first time meeting Jake. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You'll, you'll and we actually, so he was, he was kind of grumpy to me in the, in the locker room. And I just kind of, I, I knew I shouldn't have let it get under my skin, but I just kind of, I just, I just, you know, to this day, I just have to giggle about it because he was just, he was the kindest, sweetest, most patient guy ever. You know, I can't, I just, I can't say it any other way. He put up with me, still puts up with me. 
So thanks, Jake. <laughs> I, he hates when I say this, but I will tell you, I, I refer to him as my fairy god brother, brother, brother. <laughs> in, in, in going on almost a quarter of a century of, of, of personally knowing him, you know, like I, I've known him before he knew me. I knew him as a little kid from the other side of that TV. But over the years, you know, we've seen each other at our best and at our worst. And we've never to this day exchanged a shitty word to each other. We've never yelled at each other. We've never swerved each other. Uh, we've only ever helped each other. And he's, I, I dare say he's helped me a lot more than I've ever helped him. And he's, he's just a kind, kind man. And anybody that has crossed other paths with Jake, I can't speak to it because I've just, I've never fucking seen it. Yep. And I can say from firsthand experience, I feel the same way. And, you know, uh, I, I think that anybody who has an issue with Jake just doesn't know Jake. And here we are talking about him in the third person. He's I'll, sitting there. I'll tell <laughs> you, uh, I'll tell you, uh, I like to try to keep things <laughs> playful and silly, but I'll tell you, um, I don't know. I think I guess it was 2010 ish. I can't remember what I ate for breakfast. So I'm just guessing it was 2010, but uh, he was doing a retirement match. And out of all the people he picked to wrestle, he could have picked Cowboy Bob or Steamboat or, uh, you know, Piper or any, anybody. Piper was even on the show. And I think so was Cowboy Bob, if I, if I recall. And pick little old me, just this guy that had a cup of coffee at WWE. And it was his night. It was for him. And he spent the whole weekend talking me off the ledge. I was crying like a baby on his shoulder because a very good friend of mine had taken his own life and he was no longer on the planet. So instead of Jake enjoying you know, his match, which to me, uh, respectfully uh -huh. to ROH and everybody that put on that show, it should have been a Madison Square Garden. It still should be a Madison Square Garden against somebody better than the likes of me. But that day, he, it wasn't, he wasn't celebrating himself. He was babysitting uh, a crying carnival freak, literally backstage, in the hall, in the hotel room, in the ring. And that, that's the kind of man Jake is. Jake, uh, when it came to time to select somebody for a retirement match, um, you know, as, as he mentioned, there's there's all these guys around. What yeah. made you decide that Simbody was the guy that you wanted to end your career with? Well, you got to pick somebody you love, man. You know, and uh, I love this piece of shit. Oh, thanks, buddy. Back 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 at you, Uncle Laurie. Back at <laughs> yeah, you. yeah. To know me is to blow me. Yeah, chocolate soup. <laughs> chocolate soup. Chocolate soup. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm not sure if I understand the reference to chocolate soup. That sounds like an inside. You bit. ever had it? I don't think I have. Oh, man, it's delicious! Great. It's delicious. When Jake and I first started riding together, so uh, so that that match that I was talking about happened in England, and then maybe a year or so later, we did a loop in uh, in Canada, and we wrestled uh, like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And by the end of it, he said, "Hey." Uh, kid, I think you got something there. Uh, why don't you come down to Fort Lauderdale where I'm living and you can ride with me and we can, you know, we can wrestle and we could tag or I could just watch you wrestle and I can give you some pointers because I think Vince would really like you. And I said, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Fuck yeah, of course. And this was, I, we were in, I think, Ottawa or somewhere, Oshawa. Yeah, Oshawa. And uh, it's, in, it's just outside of Toronto. And I thought, okay, this is amazing. And then after when he left, I thought, wait a second. Isn't that motherfucker from Stone Mountain? Where the, he's, he's ribbing me and telling me to drive all the way 24 hours to Fort Lauderdale, but I thought it would be worth the gamble, and it was. And so as we got to know each other, we were talking, asking each other about our families and this and that. And he's asking me about my parents and this and that, and, and he asked me what my dad does. And I, in my Canadian accent, which we we tend to upplay our consonants and downplay our vowels, and and I said that uh, he had a little uh, little factory shop, like a little chocolate shop where they made chocolate and soup chocolate and soup for you Americans that need to hear the, the vowels in that and word. 
So he he heard Jake's American ears heard chocolate soup, and he's like, "Brother, that's fascinating! Oh my God, that would get over down here. We should." Blah, blah. No, I'm thinking it turned out to be one of those conversations from Three's Company, you know, where Janet and Jack and and uh, Christy Snow are just talking about two different things, and I'm like, "What is this motherfucker talking about? Like, what what's the big deal?" And he thought it was the greatest thing ever, and I swear it took us a few weeks to figure out. I said chocolate and soup, and he's like, "Brother, are you fucking ripping me." I'm like, "No, no, no! I just it was my man, I was so ready for it." Yeah, I was so fucking jacked, man. So any any big wig uh, entrepreneurs listening, you know Conrad Thompson, if you're yeah. listening, you know uh, let's soup. do the chocolate soup factory. Jake the Snake's chocolate soup right there, and I'll, I'll be like the the Robin to, to to the chocolate soup Batman and Jake the Snake, and we'll, yeah, we'll sell it all yeah. over. The place. Yeah, what a missed opportunity chocolate soup. I, I mean, for whatever reason, it's, it's timeless. Just, it could still happen right now. It it it's better late than never. It had me picturing Jake as like Willy Wonka. Right. I think that we could I think we could get this thing going. Don't, don't make this coffee come up my nose on your podcast, man. <laughs> uh, Jake, just winding it back a little bit, when you're first meeting Sin, uh early impressions of him right out of the gate. Uh you, you know, he mentioned here that you said uh you, you saw potential and that Vince yeah. could use him. I mean, are you seeing that right away in Sin? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Some people you just look at and you go, that motherfucker's got it. And he does have it. He's one of the greatest performers that never got the opportunity. For sure. Thanks, Jake. For sure. And, you know, your time up in WWE was very brief. Uh, before we talk about the Kazarni thing, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about uh, the the WWE opportunity and how it uh, kind of came about? So I was wrestling in OBW. Um, I had been brought in by Al Snow. And... Um, I was a heel. I was kind of like a fun heel. I really, I really, as, as much as I sort of patterned my, my self after Jake, you know, I, I didn't want to be a knockoff. So I made sure to really, you know, try to paint with a broad, broad brush and a broad canvas, wide canvas. And I, again, very cowboy Bob, very Adrian Adonis, Buddy Rose, different guys like that. And so I was kind of a fun, uh, flamboyant, mean kick punch, heel where my high flying was sort of more like the cowboy Bob and Adrian Adonis, Buddy Rose, where I would take the big backdrops and excuse me, the clotheslines over the top ropes. And I was fun to hate very much. And I, that's where I really, uh, Piper was a big influence for that. You know, like most loved guy or most hated guy in 85, most loved guy in 86, you know? So I figured if I could just be fun to watch, I would by proxy, you know, amplify whoever I was in the ring with. And so I got, I got my call. Uh, to go up from uh, Nova, from Mike Bucci uh, to WWE in the summer of, or yeah, in the summer of uh, 07. And I, I went back to Canada, waited on my work visa, and I got shipped down to Florida. And that's when everything kind of got started from there. I wrestled as Sin Bodhi. And then uh, they wanted to, they wanted me to come up with some names as they were bringing people up. I think they had sent a few people up and Vince was just not happy with them. And he would send them back down or can them or whatever. And I guess he had sent a memo down to uh, Dusty and Steve Kern and Dr. Tom to look, I want five dudes that are ready right now that are TV ready that I don't have to change anything on. And uh, there was five people brought up. I was flattered to be the first one on that pick of the litter. It was me, Dolph Ziggler, Jack Swagger, Jake Hager, uh, Byron Saxton, and Steve Lewington, AKA DJ Gabriel. And uh, so I went up there and they, they, Asked me to pick from a list of names, which Sin Bodhi was in my top of my list. 
but then they they never looked at the list and vince got into his head that he knew i was a carnival guy a sideshow guy which jake had sort of really put over the fact he was look man vince likes the carnival stuff let's and you're doing that so let's really find a way to mesh the two together and don't just come to the ring like a circus guy wrestle like a collegiate guy or wrestle like a bar fighter and then leave like a circus guy you've got to be the whole thing for real from curtain to curtain and even and past the curtain when i got that call up i remember jake saying and they you know they didn't want me to be somebody they wanted me to be kazarni jay uh, vince liked the kazarni name he said hey can you speak carney and i said yes this is like his and he goes well good you're gonna speak carney and your name's gonna be kazarni it's carney for carney you get a kid I said, yes, sir, I get it. And I'll absolutely do my best. And I just remember Jake in my head to this day. And he said it over the years. He never lets me forget it. And I don't ever want him to. I don't ever want somebody to placate me or handle me with kid gloves. He always tells me stiff, stiffly, honestly. We're working stiff right there. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only time I do is when I watch that T-shirt and listen to Jake. Is He said, if you're going to fail, fail as yourself. And I didn't. I let uh, a wonderful company that I grew up watching and, and was enamored with as much as I was enamored with Jake, let me be Kazarni. And I was respectful for the opportunity, but I was too green and too dumb and too polite to say, Mr. McMahon, sir, please let me be somebody. Please let me be a villain. Please let me do what you hired me to do. And I didn't say that. I just said, yes, sir, because my rose colored glasses were just saddled in my face. <laughs> and I was just happy to be there. I wanted to make everybody happy. I was the last opinion that I was listening to. Uh, you know, I listened to other producers and wrestlers and different people. And Jake was the only one that called it straight, said, be yourself. He was, and if that scares the shit out of everybody, so be it. And when I got my release, he said, you failed because you weren't yourself. You didn't fail because Arnie failed. And you let everybody else tell you what to do. And that was a mistake because you're smart. Okay, guys, let's take a minute to discuss our partner and their product, which is truly Reshape My Life AG1, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. You know, before AG1, I used to wake up every morning and take a bunch of multivitamins and supplements, and I absolutely hated it. Getting all the right stuff was expensive, and then after you're done, you don't even have an appetite for your breakfast anymore. When I got fed up with that, I decided I would start doing a healthy smoothie every morning. The smoothies tasted good, but you have to go get all the ingredients. It takes time to measure out portions. And then when you're done, you've got to thoroughly clean that blender so it doesn't get gross. And it was just eating up way too much of my time. I needed a simple, singular solution that would cover all my nutritional bases, would provide me with more energy through the day, would give me better gut health, and something that would support my immune system, especially with my young daughter bringing germs home from daycare every day. AG1 was the solution, and after more than a year with it, I can honestly say I've never been happier with my morning routine or felt healthier. AG1 made life easy by providing 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients by simply mixing one small scoop with water. That's it. I drink it, and I am done. More time to spend with my family, more time to get my work done, simple cleanup, and the energy and health to tackle every obstacle that gets in my way. It's an easy micro habit that delivers macro results. If you've got a family and a budget like me, I know what your next question is gonna be. How much does it cost? Well, how about less than $3 a day? You know, my wife used to swing by Starbucks most mornings and spend double that or more on an expensive drink that she didn't really need. Now she and I both broke our bad habits and are saving money on a science-driven formulation of vitamins, probiotics, and whole food source nutrients with AG1. That is a huge win-win for my family.
Look, if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com slash snake. That's drinkag1.com forward slash snake, S-N-A-K-E. Check it out, and I know that you guys are going to love it just like I do. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Jake, in, in in your experience with Vince, Jake, if if uh, if Sin had gone to him and said what what he said here now, uh, hey, I don't want to be Kazarni, I want to be Sin Bodhi. Do you think that Vince would have listened to something like that? Yes, you do. Oh yeah. So we as fans always yeah. kind of get the impression that he's very much set in his ways. What gives you the impression that well, he's he's set in his ways? But what you do is, is you say yes to him. But you then you go out and do your shit. Mm. So when I when I had that that first like so I wrestled MVP and a bunch of other guys like Chavo and some really great guys you know on on a million live events for for WWE for SmackDown. But when I had that TV debut, I literally walked through the curtain and and Dr. Tom was sitting at the table, and I just kind of looked at him and I was just like, huh? And Doc, you know, all his wisdom looked right back at me and went, oh. And I thought, holy shit, if the good doctor doesn't know what the fuck is going on, <laughs> then I'm in deep water. And I went out there and uh, John Laronitis had helped sort of produce that. And respectfully, I just, again, I just listened. Uh, you know, he's the boss. I'm listening to him. And it's just going against every instinct that I had. And as we were out there, I, I, I want to say I was just kind of spit out into an MVP storyline last minute because Vince just wanted me on TV. And he told the writers, get him on TV now. And uh, instead of me, you know, beating the shit out of somebody in two minutes and having some grandiose debut, I squeaked out a, a 10 minute finish on a guy on a losing streak who was amazing. MVP's awesome, you know, but just the storyline was that. And so I kept on getting put down in a hold and, and, he, and the ref was telling telling us on the headpiece, Johnny wants you back in a hold. And I just remember saying, la, 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 I can't hear you. I'm getting up. I'm going to do some stuff. I can't. I just he's like, no, no, no. But, but Johnny, I'm like, I didn't hear nothing. And I'm, I called some spot, whatever I, whatever I was doing. And I just, I took, let my instincts take over. And, and I think the match was, was fine, but it just wasn't the match that that match needed to be. That match needed to be, again, me beating the shit out of some really lovable baby face in, inside of two minutes. And it wasn't. Yeah. Uh, and Jake, it's above my booking, above my pay grade, but. Jake, when he that? made his, uh, when he made his debut, were you watching? No, I wasn't there. Uh, uh, no, I know you, you weren't backstage. Okay. Now, did you ever see any of any of his uh, vignettes that have kind of become like an yeah. internet thing? Yeah. 
What did you uh, think of his vignettes right out of the gate? I liked his vignettes, man. I thought they were kind of cool too. Yeah. When we filmed those vignettes, um, I went to the World of Wonders, uh, Ward Hall World of Wonders, who is a rest his soul now. He was a great guy. And that whole circus family is our friends to this day. And Vince's only notes to the director were, just film all that weird stuff that he could actually do, get it in the can, and we'll sort it out in post. That's literally, so we filmed a bunch of crazy stuff that I would do, putting my hand in wolf traps, getting darts thrown in my back, sitting in electric chairs, breathing fire, doing all these things. And when Vince had taken a look after the fact at the raw footage, it's like, holy fuck, I can't, I can't use any of this. You're going to scare the shit out of the kids. I need you to be a baby face. And I remember the director saying, as I was saying stuff, he's like, turn your voice down. Like, like, or like, like, like put the octaves up, make it sound less scary. So I'm like, hey, I'm Kazarni. Like, no, 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 you gotta, hey, I'm Kazarni. Oh, hey, I'm Kazarni. Hey, I'm Kazarni. The next thing I know, I just sound like this squeaky toy. And then they use mostly uh, like B footage of like the other guys doing sillier stuff or just less spookier, less ornery stuff, I guess. Yeah. And then I'm sitting there going, here, look at these cool people doing these cool things. By the way, I'm Kazarni. So I don't, and I'm speaking this carny gibberish. So I don't know if, being an irritating uh, squeaky voiced baby face is really going to do the trick. So no insights of bitch. Yeah. Not quite. I mean, if, so- if you see, if you look at one of those, uh, one of the clips that they actually did use of me, you'll see what it looks like a close up of me breathing fire. But what that is actually it's played in reverse and it's a close up shot of me sitting in an electric chair, getting all, all juiced up and I stick my tongue out and I, I light an unlit kerosene soaked torch with electricity off of my tongue. So I didn't breathe fire. I made fire. And wow. Vince is like, I can't fucking use this because you're going to give these kids nightmares. <laughs> and I thought, all right. And that, they use that little clip in a sort of an innocuous way. But I mean, to me, right out of the gate, it's like this guy, Kazarni, it's like probably not going to be like a guy that, that people relate to. Right. It's like this kind of, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, there's that whole thing about like carnies and they travel from town to town. And it's like sort of like a den of thieves. And it sort of makes a little bit more sense for you to be like this guy who's coming in here, uh, you know, evil, almost like, uh, you know, like a, a doink type character. That, evil you know, worked. Evil yeah. worked. Sure. And I mean, to, to this day, when I go out, I don't turn myself into Marty Jannetty when I'm I don't kiss hands and shake babies when I'm as babyface. Sinbodi is Sinbodi. I just put a thing, put something in different places here and there. Like, again, Randy Orton as a, as a heel can cut off a babyface <clears throat> with that awesome dropkick and he'll get heat for it. But as Randy Orton is a babyface, he can, he can you know, shine on some heel with that dropkick and he'll get cheered for it. So it's still the same guy doing the same thing, just putting things in different places to get different reactions. And I go out as the same psychopath I always go out as, but if I need to be a good guy, if I'm good mood sin, then that's what you're going to get. If I'm bad mood sin, then that's what you're going to get. That sounds uh, like some Jake the Snake advice. Jake, didn't you say that when you uh, turn from uh, from heel to baby face, you just remain? Don't change sick? nothing. And that was from Jake's mouth to my ears. Like, I, I remember Jake didn't shake hands and Jake didn't get the crowd up. Jake came to the ring with that sack over his shoulder, looking like he was ready to fuck somebody up. That, that had me hooked as a kid. It still has me hooked to this day. Now, when, when the opportunity with WWE goes away, you get your release. Uh, I mean, are you feeling like, okay, well, my career is over, or are you still pretty optimistic? Like, okay, I can still go and do more. Um, I, was ang- I, was, I was stupefied, then angry, 
because I thought like I was on such a PG version of WWE at the time. Like it wasn't the Attitude Era, it wasn't the glorious 80s. It wasn't, <clears throat> it wasn't now. It was a super ultra PG. And I just thought the gloves are fucking off. I'm going to do what I want. I had, again, I had, Jake was always the, the devil and the angel on my shoulders. Like I, I don't have, I don't have edge sitting there. I have edge more, you know, more sometimes when it comes to, you know, I'm paying my bills and just, you know, being the, the responsible kind of guy. But when it comes to passionate stuff, like Jake's both angel and devil on my shoulders. And he was just like, do what you fucking want, scare the world, make everybody afraid of, of what you have in your brain. You know, I'm not, I'm not a big guy, but I'm not a small guy either. And Jake was always like, you know, you can be a Raptor or you can be a T-Rex, depending on who you're in the ring with, but you're smart. And he goes, and if nobody knows how to book you, that's, that's their problem. And, and I remember the, the biggest compliment I ever got in this world was Jake said, I was the most creative guy I ever met and without being more to me than any, any championship belt, any, anything. And I just looked at him and I remember saying, I think that's code for that. I'm going to die poor. And he goes, yep. Even <laughs> <laughs> my dog agrees. All right, so Sin, I know that now you've got a role with WWE where you're kind of helping behind the scenes. Uh, yeah, for quite a few years now, I've been a guest coach at the uh, the PC in Orlando, and that has been super awesome. I've really enjoyed doing that. I uh, during during the, the the front end of the pandemic when we were kind of locked down like rats in cages, <sighs> I got with. Uh, Dr. Tom and Al Snow and Gangrel and a couple other guys. And we went online to make the snake pit, which was like a, an online group where we could do Q and A's and match reviews for, you know, all the, I call them kids, you know, all the kids across the, the land. But so, you know, we could give them some good Intel, but really just distract them from being rats in cages. And ever since there's not a show that I've been to where I don't have some wrestler, some young guy or girl that I don't know, come up and say, Hey coach, thanks for giving us info. And thanks for keeping us sane during that, lockdown which is again another really really special thing to me i think better than any championship belt or, or <sighs> but yeah coaching has been really really cool and again i got a lot of that from jake like that this everything keeps on coming back to jake like how he spoke to me and how he talked to me um how he communicated I, I remember sitting in his truck in fort lauderdale turns out he did live in fort lauderdale he didn't live in stone mountain that was so weird <laughs> what do you know but I remember us driving around, just kind of cruising around, just shooting the shit. And I remember him saying, look, if we're going to hang out and I'm going to teach you some stuff, I know me, I know my brain. I know, yeah, 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 master psychology and all that stuff. I don't ever not want to hear what you're thinking. I don't want you to not tell me your ideas or be afraid to tell me your ideas. And I'll tell you why they're good, why they're bad, why they're indifferent, and how to make them better. And so I've always treated everybody just the same way, you know, just kind of circle of life. You know, it's interesting because, you know, in the NFL, we hear about the coaching tree, you know, like guys that are passed down from generation, knowledge passed down from generation to generation to different coaches. Sure. So, sure. you know, you can you can link somebody like uh, Mike McCarthy with the Cowboys way back to, you know, uh, guys, Marty Schottenheimer. Um, and so it, it sounds like it's similar in pro wrestling here as well, uh, where, you know, you've taken knowledge that Jake has given you and now you've passed it on to future generations. Absolutely. And the, the neat thing for, for me that I like just me being a giant child, I am a professional child. I have a PhD in recess, just a giant fucking child. And the cool thing for me was I'm old enough where I wrestled a lot of the dudes from the eighties. I wrestled Jake and so many other guys. And so, but I'm young enough that I can hang with, with the new cats. So, you know, when the young guys are studying tape, 
you know, they're watching the wrestling gods and some of them, you know, rest their souls are not here anymore. And they see it and they perceive, they hear it, they perceive, they can't feel it. Well, I got to be in there and, and, you know, touch with, you know, with Jake and Kamala and the real warriors and Bundy and just all these guys. And so that habit being harnessed with Jake, just explaining things to me was so invaluable that like when I lock up with the dude, you know, I can instantly kind of feel what they're up to, what they need to do. And it kind of makes me sort of like the full Durham of pro wrestling. Like I can just go to a city, wrestle the local good guy or bad guy, tell them do more of this, less of that, try this. And I often find myself saying kind of the same words that Jake said to me when we locked up and, you know, if he didn't like it and say, I owe you money, cunt, what's going on with you? Who's going to fuck up? You know? So I say that kind of stuff. I make them kind of giggle and laugh and let them, let their brains kind of ease up and go, this can be fun. And this has to look brutal, but we have to take care of each other. I learned all that from Jake. Number one. Now, Jake, Credibility uh, is the word Jake always would use. Hard, yeah. hard to get, easy to lose. Jake, it's got to feel pretty good to you to know that, you know, as, as Sin is kind of teaching these future generations, that like some of the stuff that you learned along the way is, is being somebody implemented. Somebody gave it to me, man, and it was my, uh, it was my duty to pass it on, man. I think, I think it's, it's, a, it's a duty and it's a privilege. When I get to teach these kids, oh my gosh, it is so it is fulfilling. Yeah. Oh, it feels good, man. For sure. There's, I think there's two, for me, there's two different feelings in wrestling. When you are saddled up in your spandex performing, it's like watching Rambo. It's explosions and it's cool adrenaline and it's amazing. When you're teaching and then you see your kids get it, it's like watching Sleepless in Seattle. It's like a, a like a heartstring puller. It's just two awesome sensations, but very different, very different cool feelings. <laughs> I don't know if I went with Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> well, some at Bambi, I don't know, but some, some a tearjerker, you know. Jake, have you seen Sleepless in Seattle? That seems like a Jake movie to me. Oh, God, right. are you kidding me? <laughs> if it's not Law and Order or Three Stooges, he hasn't watched it. That's it. <laughs> Well, yeah, and it's cool too because you know Jake is also helping to teach folks in AEW uh, polish sure. their promo skills. So now you know we've got two separate, uh, the two biggest you know wrestling promotions in America, and they're both getting some knowledge uh, via Jake the Snake and on down the line. It's just it's it's cool to see stuff like that pass on and live on through guys like Absolutely. you. Absolutely, and so. Absolutely. Sin, I also wanted to ask, you know, uh, I, I know that in helping them, you've probably crossed paths with an awful lot of talents that are, you know, either on the come up or are now on the main roster. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the guys that you've worked with? Sure. Um, so when, when I when I was first training, you know, there was, you know, 12 guys. And I was the, I, uh, literally 245 pounds. I was the second smallest person only next to Trish Stratus. And, and our, our basics coach, Ron Hutchinson, this was going to break us because he didn't want to just let anybody into the industry. And so it's, it's different now. Like uh, the way I, I learned under Jake was, you know, kind of under the wing and he would show me, tell me and explain things. And we talk in hindsight. And so now to have my fingerprints on so many different performers is, is so flattering and so awesome. You know, Karrion Cross, uh, crazy Steve, Zoe Stark, Chris Bay, uh, Solo Sokoa, Ray Wyatt, you know, all these guys and girls that are amazing. And I'm just, I'm flattered that in some degree, like, I'm not going to say I trained anybody from A to Z, top to bottom, but it's not how learning works. You learn bits and pieces from people every day, but I've got my fingerprints <coughs> on these, these wrestlers. And I'm, I'm just flattered that I, I got to 
make any of their days just slightly better or give them any kind of useful intel that would help their careers. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break to talk about our new sponsor, Fume, and their incredible product. Cold turkey may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. We're not talking about some weird mind voodoo from your crazy neighbor or replacing one bad habit with another. We're talking about our sponsor, Fume. They look at the problem in a different way. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses all-natural, delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your Fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing and anxiety while breaking your habit. I got my fume in the mail and I was blown away by the amazing flavor. With options like crisp mint, orange vanilla, maple pepper, and more, there's truly something for everyone and every preference. Also, I am definitely a fidgeter and fume scratches that itch as well. It's perfectly balanced, feels great in my hand, and acts as a great stress reliever. Also, it just looks cool. The design includes real wood, a sleek look, and a great shape. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to Fume is easy, enjoyable, and even fun. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories. There's no reason that can't be you. Join Fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack today. Head to tryfume.com and use code SNAKE to save 10% off when you get the journey pack. That's tryfum.com and use code SNAKE to save an additional 10% off your order today. And so uh, you mentioned Bray Wyatt there. Unfortunately, he uh, he recently passed away and uh, a devastating loss to not just the world, but but certainly the wrestling community as a whole. And uh, I, I was wondering, can you tell us a little bit about your experiences working with Bray? Sure. Um, when he first got to FCW, I think he was right off the gridiron. He, he'd never been in a wrestling ring and, you know, he got the opportunity because his lineage and that's awesome no problem he was a sweet charming playful he was very santa claus ish he was very like jolly you know uh you just always had like just the rosy cheeks always smiling and always asking questions and i just kind of felt like i always felt like how jake was he was an open book to me i was going to be an open book to anybody that was crazy enough to want to know i was crazy enough to give answers we're in the same company together trying to make uh, money for ourselves and our company together so he would ask, why do you do this? And why do you do that? And what about this? And what about that? Like he was just always wondering and uh, just a curious guy, you know, like, why would you do this? Why would you do that? And uh, he, he came to me when I'll tell you a silly story. He came to me when they wanted to put him in those trunks and call him Husky Harris. And he said, he goes, uh, he goes sinner. Um, they want me to wear trunks and I'm kind of chubby. I don't know if I could pull that off. What do you think? Because what do you think about a singlet? I said, you're not going to fool anybody with that singlet. Like nobody's going to believe you're Rick Rude under that singlet. Let's <laughs> let's try to case babe a little bit better. Like maybe some coveralls or a Hawaiian shirt. You know, the Hawaiian shirt's baggy, so you're not. You know, you know, if you put on a singlet and you get a little tear, it's all going to spill out like a bag of oats. You know, so, <laughs> so if you if you got a you know Hawaiian shirt or coveralls or something, again, my dog my dog agrees. Um, and I go, you know, the Hawaiian shirt's very. Uh, Kate Fear, which is very Charlie Manson. Charlie Manson, you know, he's a family and 
when I did the circus stuff, the, you know, what was really creepy was the animal masks. And he was like, holy shit. And he would write all this down. He would just ask questions and we would just laugh and giggle about all sorts of weird shit. And, um, and then he asked me about Tallulah, uh, which was, that, that's the, the, the personal thing. And, 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 and I love him and, and he's gone. And then so many things that we both were hung up on each other about uh, instantly became unimportant when he left the planet. So I just, I just, it's very important for me to tell the fans, like if you have a, a disagreement with a friend, a brother, a colleague or somebody like sort it out because if they're gone, they're gone. And then you get no closure. And I, again, I, I referenced Jake. He was the first guy I called when, when Wyndham left the planet. And I just, I instantly, I, like, I instantly think of Jake when one of the old timers goes, because I just want to make sure he's okay. And I asked him about Terry Funk and he said he was sad, but he was okay. You know, and, and I told him the Wyndham thing hit me really hard because again, I was there when Jake made up with ultimate warrior. They had, you know, heat for so long and they made up the day before ultimate warrior powdered yeah. off the planet. And I know that, did Jake's soul so well. I didn't get to do that with, with Wyndham. And it, that it just kind of broke my heart. And Jake and I had a long talk about it, you know, privately. And, and I think just what, what's important, what, the story I'm about to tell is what fans need to know is that um, you got to love your brother. You know, that you know, your bro brothers do you right, do you wrong, but you got you to gotta love each other. And uh, so now I will tell you uh, the story of Abigail. Bray Wyatt asked me why I did the move to Lulabelle, which is a, a, a different type of DDT. I didn't want to just do the DDT. I wanted to do something to, to you know, put over Jake, but something with my own spin. So it was it's just a certain kind of twisting, twisting double butterfly hook DDT thing. And I called it Tallulabelle. And Bray Wyatt, Wyndham, would ask me, why, why do you call it that? I named, I named that move for my, my legitimate dead sister. Uh, her name is her name was Sarah, and I didn't want to call the move "Goodnight, Sweet Sarah" because I didn't want to upset my mom. So I yeah. fictionalized her name into Lulubel, which is Bruce Willis's kid's name. It was just the silliest name I could think of, and that's why I picked it because I I just didn't want to upset my mom. And he goes, "Well, why would you name that move after your dead sister?" And I said, uh, "Because when I hit you with Lulubel, just like her, you're not getting up." And he took a step back and then went, holy shit, Sinner, that is so harsh and so stiff. And again, I referenced Jake. I said, you know, Jake pulls so much wonderful creativity from such harsh reality. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to pull something that was credible, something that would put a tear in my eye every time I would think about it. Yeah. And we said, oh, my God, that's just that's so brutal. And when I got my release, then soon after came Abigail. So. Yeah. I understand his logic and I understand, you know, that sometimes, you know, guys creatively take a step that they maybe shouldn't have taken. And if he had simply just said, Hey, could I do this since you're not at WWE anymore? I'm still alive and I'm still doing, you know, I still do this to feed my family, but I would have said yes, no problem. But without him asking, it was just a sore spot. It's not right or wrong. He didn't owe me anything. I, I'm, I love him and I don't want to say anything ill of him. I was just a little bit upset when uh, I saw Abigail and he knew about it. We talked about it and we had a lot of, a lot of back and forth about it over the years. And, and he's a sweet guy. He was never anything but charming and apologetic about it. 
And we just, we never got to see eye to eye and we never had closure on that, like Jake and Warrior. And it was, it was, and it is, and it's always going to be a fucking cross for me to bear. Well, it's a shame. So I would just simply say to the fans, as respectfully as I can say, that Abigail is both of our sister. I think he earned it. I mean, he did me better than me. I mean, we would always joke and say I, I was the Carl Perkins to his Elvis Presley. Scott Demore will tell you that he taught Rhino everything he knows, but Rhino did Rhino did Scott better than Scott did Scott. And I've got no problem saying that Wyndham Rotundo was amazing and he was a success. And I have zero problems with him using Abigail, especially I'm sure he's hitting dudes with it up in the stars right now. He's running up on Terry and everybody else and having a good time. And he deserves that. And so last week um, in my, my first match after, after we got the news, I did Abigail. And my brain, as Jake would know, is a constant hornet's nest. Yes. And I like to do my matches as, uh, as much off the fly as possible, as much as my dance partner will permit. So I wrestled these two young students at, a, at my Future Stars Wrestling School in Vegas at a school show, which I really never do. And I just walk up to them and I just said, one of you two can argue about who's taking Abigail tonight. See you fuckers in the ring. <laughs> and that's how that went. And, and I did it. And I tell you for the moment that I did it, I, my brain felt peace and it was going to be a one and done thing. And I, I'm trying to get this out of me without, you know, looking like I just watched sleepless in Seattle while cutting onions. <sighs> but uh, I did, I felt peace. And then it, that was that. And then a fan had posted a, a video of it online and I was met with a bunch of really sweet, uh, really caring uh, posts and it's very easy. You know, everybody wants to throw everybody under the bus these days and everybody wants yeah. to cancel everybody and be so hateful and judgmental cast the stone. But I was really, I was received with nothing, but man, that was really sweet. That was respectful. They look good on you. Uh, you should keep doing that. And, you know, he was your kid, all this kind of stuff. And then I, I just got me thinking like I had peace doing it. And so I think I might, I, I'm not going to do it all the time, but I, again, uh, to reference other brothers, uh, when FTR started doing the big rig, I thought that was such a cool gesture, man. I mean, it, it did. It, it was, I promise you, I, I was cutting onions when I, when I saw that, you know, and I thought that's a good feeling. And if, if we're there to put smiles on faces of the fans, but there's nothing wrong with making each other, you know, uh -huh. uh, that are surrounded in the ropes and turnbuckles happy too. And, Absolutely. and it, yes, sir. And it, it just, it made me think of Wyndham in a really good light. And that's how I want to think of Wyndham. I don't want to be mad when I think of Wyndham. I don't want to argue with him. Even when I see him in the clouds one of these days, I don't want to argue with him. I just want to give him a big old hug. And uh, whether he's wearing that Hawaiian shirt or that or the or those funny little trunks or whatever he's got, oh, I just want to give him a hug <laughs> and stars and, and we can go hit Abigail on a, on a bunch of MFers together. That would be just <laughs> fine with me. That's but awesome, uh, I just bro. thank you. It, it, it's very hard for me to, to talk about this and it's it, it brings it, uh, it just oh my gosh. I appreciate you you sharing it, you know, because I know it's it's got to be tough. I can't imagine mentoring someone, bringing them along like that, seeing them go on to have such incredible success, and then not getting the kind of closure that you'd uh, you'd like to have with them. Yeah. Well, again, I'm I'm go back to that sleepless in Seattle's thing. Seeing like seeing my kids doing well, you know, watching Carrie and Cross skyrocket, watch Chris Bay, watch Angelina Love, watching Solo Sokoa, watching just so many of them. Just there's just a ton. There's just a ton of them that I've got my fingerprints on. And that, that is the biggest reward. And so I hope 
uh, like Ron Hutchinson joked and said, uh, he came to our school the other night from, for Cauliflower Owl, and he, he watched that match where, where I, I uh, used Abigail. And he said, uh, it was, you're my kid, and these are my grandkids. You never met any of these kids. And I just thought it was a sweet thing. And Jake's got that exact same accolade, if not more, because Jake taught me about psychology. Ron, Ron was my basics coach. He taught me how to bump safe and you know how to take, do and take moves safe. Jake taught me what to do with those moves and how to tell a story and how to how to put smiles on faces. So, so all those kids that I just mentioned, you know, from Bray all the way down to crazy old crazy Steve, uh, Jake is the grandfather to these kids because I, I'm just the middleman. You know, That's awesome. And if, if, you know, I asked Jake the first time we were driving in that truck in Fort Lauderdale, how come you never got a title at, at WWF? And he didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to look around or squint or, you know, he didn't have to brush his mustache and ponder. He just looked right at me and go, I never needed it. I go, what do you mean? He goes, when you're over. You don't need it. You got heat. You don't need it. And so I think more than any title that he should have had, Jake should have had the WWE championship. Um, his championship is being a grandfather and probably one of these days, great grandfather to a lineage of some of the best wrestlers sports entertainers whatever you want to call them uh, that, that that is jake's lineage and just by proxy uh, uh the ketchup to jake's burger my lineage is you know putting you know putting knowledge in some of these kids brains that you know would have done great otherwise but i'd like to think just did that much better because they spent time with with jake or they spent time with me or the or me and jake i mean i remember carrying cross being you looked like a kid in the candy store listening to me and jake at the same time you know, surrounded by ropes and turnbuckles at our school in Vegas. And he turned out all right. And he's a good man. Despite the yes. evil shit he does in the ring, he's a fucking good person. <laughs> I'll tell you what, so, I love I love Karrion Cross. What a talented man he is. And just despite Jake DDT and Steamboat on the concrete, Jake is a good person. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think you said it perfectly. He didn't need a title. His legacy is his title. And it's gonna be yours too. You know, all these all these kids that you have your fingerprints on yeah, and that you're schooling. You know, it's uh, you don't need a strong WWE run in order to uh, to establish a legacy. So, yeah, I, I couldn't be happier to have uh, had you on the show today. And, and thank you again so much for for telling yeah. us that story, because I know that that couldn't have been easy. But can you talk to our listeners a little bit about what's going on with you, where you're going to be next and where they can get yeah. some of these action figures of yours? Oh, cool. OK, thank you. Um, so I'm online at Sin Bodhi, uh, my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, S-I-N-N. B-O-D-H-I, sin with two N's, Bodie like the tree. Uh, if you want me to wrestle, if you want me to do seminars, which I do quite often, I fly out someplace, somewhere. As Jake would know, we get to the airport kind of tired and we just hold our phones up and say, uh, this is where we're going. I don't, I don't know where I'm going. I just I get there and, uh, you know, drop some psychology on some kids that, that want that. Um, uh, I, I often go to Rocky Mountain Pro. Uh, I go to Atomic Wrestling in, in Florida, uh, just all over the place. Wherever the promoters are paying, I'm playing. And uh, if you want a, an LJN of yourself, um, I make those as a hobby and, and uh, for a couple of bucks if you want yourself or you want your favorite wrestler that maybe wasn't made as a, as a toy. I do that for a lot of indie guys. Like I'll post a, I'll post an LJN for what people don't, if they don't know what that is. It's just sort of about an eight, eight inch solid uh, action figure kind of based on the, those rubber wrestlers uh, that we had to play with as toys as, as kids. They make amazing foreign objects, by the way, if you want to clobber each other with them. They, they're so stiff. They, they hurt a lot. And so I, what I'll do is I'll, you know, I'll make a, 
uh, a gorilla monsoon and I'll post it. And then somebody will say, Hey, that's really cool. Could you make me and my tag partner or, or, or I'll get some wife of an indie guy saying, could you make my husband as a birthday gift or whatever? So that's, that's been a really cool, neat little uh, hobby turn side hustle. Uh, when, when I was, a, when I was a little kid, I remember my grandfather had a little workshop and he would make model airplanes. And I thought it was boring as shit. It was literally and figuratively watching paint dry. <laughs> but he was an airplane mechanic in World War II. Like he met my grandma in London while the Nazis were dropping bombs on London. So when he was wow. painting and making those model airplanes, I think it just, it was some kind of weird gateway to nostalgia when he felt useful, he felt important, he felt the love of his life. It just brought him to a time that he wanted to spend his twilight years in. And I, I don't know that I, I mean, Santa beard aside, I, I mean, I could still wrestle pretty darn good. But making those little wrestlers, whether I'm making the fabulous ones or the Road Warriors or a Jake the Snake, which I make a ton of Jake's, little Jake's uh, for him to sell at conventions and stuff. It is just a window of nostalgia for me. And I feel like the giant child that I am when I get to make them. And it gives me a little bit of peace. So hopefully between wrestling, doing seminars, dropping some knowledge and making those little toys and hitting, hitting Abigail once in a while on some... Uh, uh, inspecting unsuspecting foe will just kind of keep on giving me a little bit of peace guys go out of your way to follow sin on all of his social Absolutely. media on on twitter on instagram i know you're on facebook as well i've seen a lot of your stuff there and uh folks i know jake can attest to this uh you, i know that you post a lot of great stuff there and it's it's fun to it's fun to see what you're putting up absolutely you, it's always entertaining well, guys, uh, yeah, Sin, thank you again for joining us here this week on the Snake Pit. And we'll be back next week with more action. Thank you to our listeners for checking it out. And come back and find us again next week right here on the Snake Pit. Eric Bischoff here again, telling you about our friends over at SaveWithConrad.com. Now, Conrad's always talking about how they are helping homeowners save money. But did you know that Conrad and his team can also help you become a homeowner? They make the home buying process more enjoyable than, I don't know, making out with Stephanie and Linda. Ouch! But don't take my word for it. I'm Willie Proctor, and I'm from Martinsburg, West Virginia. I came with uh, Save with Conrad to buy my first home. Is that once I, you know, listened to the podcast, or I was, I heard other testimonials and uh, how easy it was. So, and that was the whole process for me here was wanting for convenience. Oh, it was a, it was a pleasure. I mean, it was like working with family. It really was like. You know, being from West Virginia, you know, it's, it's all about family here. And, and that's what it was like working with Conrad's team. You know, I worked with Larry, uh, Holly, and Francis. And they were just, it was just like, I thought I was talking to my aunt or, you know, talking to my dad. You know, it was, it was a great experience. Yeah, this is actually the house I grew up in. So that was kind of the whole thing. And my mom was moving to South Carolina. You know, she was, and she got stressed out about what to do with the house, how she was going to sell it, uh, get rid of everything. And I thought, you know what, I didn't want to see the house go. But at the same time, I wanted to make the process easy for me and easy for my mom. And working with Larry and the team, uh, they made it easy for both of us. Uh, hi, this is Willie Proctor, and I just bought my first house with SaveWithConrad.com. And unlike the dirt sheets, we're not making this up. Check out all the five-star reviews. Go to SaveWithConrad.com and do it today. You'll be grateful you did. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo!